All right, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. The Apostle Paul writes the following. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to sit before your word this morning, to listen to your word, to gather together as members of Christ's body. And Lord, as we do this, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would soften our hearts, you would take this word, your words, and Lord, sow them into our hearts and cause them to bear a lot of fruit. Lord, help us to be a faithful and fruitful church that seeks to sow to the Spirit, trusting that this is your good purpose and your plan for us, corporately and individually. And so, Lord, we ask that you would work out your good purposes in our lives through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll have a little made-up story for you this morning. This is something I I do in my pastime, you know. Make up stories. Uh, this one's about two farmers. So two farmers each owned a field. And these fields sat side by side one another. They were the same size and were made up of the same soil that had the same nutrients. They were basically the same field, just sort of split in half, side by side. They both received the same amount of sunlight the same amount of shade, and the same amount of water each day. One farmer got up every day and he worked hard to tend to his own field. He tirelessly worked it, tilling it to get it ready to plant his seed, hopefully grow his corn. He made many sacrifices as he just went to work every day doing what he was supposed to do that day to get his field ready. When the field was all prepared to be planted, he sowed his seed into the ground, covering it up, and he continued to work his field every day, making sure that everything was done the right way so that he and his family would reap a harvest of corn so that they could sell it and make a profit. The other farmer was not so diligent with his field. He too was hoping for and expecting to harvest corn to sell, but when it came time to prepare his field, he slept in many days because he stayed up late playing video games with his friends. 
And so he was a little too tired to put the necessary work in that it was required to prepare his field. But he did do some work. But it was nothing like his neighbor who was working hard to his side. Because he only worked half the time his neighbor put into working, he was only able to prepare half the field to be planted. When it came time to sow his seed, he didn't have enough seed that he needed to sow because he had spent some of his seed on money, or he spent some of his money, seed money, on a family vacation to a beach that he really couldn't afford. So instead of buying the best seed for his field like his neighbor did, he ended up buying second-rate seed online from some shady websites. Once he got his seed, he had planned on planting it at the right time to make sure that he would reap the harvest he desired. But when this time came to plant his seed, so did his foolish friends, who invited him to an all-expense-paid trip to Vegas for the weekend which was an offer he could not refuse. So instead of planting the seed when he needed to plant the seed, he waited. And when he returned, his field was not in good enough shape to plant his seed, and so he tried to work it to get it to the place it needed to be. And once he thought he got it to the place it needed to be, he scattered his seed. And then he got down on his knees and he cried out to God, please bless this field. Please give us the biggest harvest of corn we have ever seen. When harvest time came, both farmers looked out into their fields. And the first farmer was amazed at what he saw. His cornfield was seemingly perfect. The corn stalks were the tallest that he had ever seen. There was more corn in his field than he had even imagined. The second farmer was very disappointed, though, in what his field looked like. It was not green and lush at all. In fact, there was very little corn to be seen. There were a few stalks here and there mixed in between a whole lot of weeds. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think happened here between these two farmers? Both had the same field, pretty much the same nutrients, same sun, same shade. All those things were the same. Why did the first farmer have such a great harvest and the second farmer have such a terrible one? Why do you think God didn't bless that second farmer? He got down on his knees and he cried out and he asked God to basically surprise and delight me with a better harvest than I could even imagine? See, I think the answer is a simple one, and we find it in our text. It's this divine law that sort of exists in the world we live in because God created this world, and it functions in a certain way. And we find the answer in this text where he says this, God is not to be mocked, for whatever one sows, That will he also reap. The second farmer did more sowing to his sinful, selfish pleasures 
than he did to actually working his field and actually sowing the corn seed that needed to be sown into that field so that it might produce a harvest of corn. The first farmer did just the opposite. He made many sacrifices, many personal sacrifices as he sought to serve his family by working hard and in the end he reaped a huge harvest. He planted a bunch of corn seed and he worked that field and at the end of the day, guess what he got? A bunch of corn. What we're going to learn from our text this morning is this simple truth. Living in the good of the gospel means that we must trust God each day of our lives and by faith Seek to sow to the Spirit instead of the flesh. Sow to the Spirit instead of the flesh by faith. Now, we're going to explore this truth by looking at three points this morning. In our first point, we learn this. We will reap what we sow. We will reap what we sow. Paul issues us a warning in verses 7 and 8 along with some encouragement. So there's a warning and then there's some encouragement to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Now, if you haven't been with us throughout the series of Galatians, we're, we're almost at the end of this letter. And Paul has, has spent a significant amount of time teaching us that our salvation has been secured for us by Jesus Christ. That a person is justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And now he's getting to the end of this letter and, he, and he's showing us, what, well, this is what that then looks like. This is what it looks like to be saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And so we're at the end of this letter and he's teaching us this is what it looks like to live in the good of the gospel. And so he issues this warning to us with some encouragement where he says, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. I feel like that's, it's got that much force in it when you read it. I mean, Paul writes this letter. There's a lot of emotion in this letter. And when he comes to the end, he's very concerned that the original readers might find themselves being deceived. Might be thinking wrongly about something. And so he's saying, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. In farming and gardening, this is an absolute principle. If you want to grow an apple tree, what do you need to plant? An apple seed. If you want to have a tomato plant, what do you think you need to plant? Or what do you need to sow? Tomato seed. You, you cannot sow an apple seed into the ground and expect to get a tomato plant. You, you all agree with me on this, right? It's, it's just an absolute principle. It's an absolute truth. What you sow into the ground, that seed you're, you're going to probably get, most likely get. Hoping you trust me. Whatever you sow, you will reap. This is a true principle in the world of agriculture. And what Paul is teaching us here is that this is, principle is also true in regards to the way in which we live our lives. The harvest that we reap is dependent upon the seed that we sow. 
God cannot be mocked. This is his divine principle for us as we seek to live in the good of the gospel, as we seek to walk by faith and not by sight. We cannot think to ourselves that we can somehow fool God into giving us eternal life while we live out our lives sowing seeds to our flesh or sowing seeds of unbelief or seeking to live a life as if God doesn't exist and Jesus Christ isn't real. We can't live that life sowing our life into unbelief, thinking that at the end of this life, we're just going to receive eternal life. God is not to be mocked. Tim Keller, in his commentary, wrote the following. He said, the image of sowing, reaping, indicates that the process of moral consequences is much more natural and organic than that. Paul's reference to natural agriculture indicates that the moral universe has processes. Sin against God sets up strains in the fabric of the moral spiritual universe. Just as eating fatty foods sets up strains in the physical fabric of your heart. If you sow seed poorly, you reap a poor crop and poverty. If you eat fatty foods, you reap a poor heart and an early death. If you give into your sinful nature, you reap spiritual breakdown and destruction. Simply put, Paul is saying, if you sow sin, if you play around with your sin, if you make room for your sin to remain because you don't take it seriously, thinking that it's okay to mess around with it, he's saying you will reap corruption. Sin just has a way of destroying things. Just like planting a real seed in the ground that takes some time to produce a crop, your sin sown or sowing to the flesh might not produce something today, but it will show up later in our lives. It can be patient. And the bad fruit might not be seen today, but it will be seen tomorrow. Sin just has a way of destroying things. So if you sow lies into your relationships with others, those lies might get you through today, But eventually those lies will grow and you will be defined as a liar and those relationships won't end up working out very well because eventually if you sow lies and you become a liar, people will identify you as a liar and they won't trust you. And it's very hard to be in a relationship with people that you don't trust. If you sow seeds of laziness, eventually, eventually you will find yourself, as Proverbs teaches us, without a job and poor. And so it usually looks like this. It it usually looks like not showing up to work on time once. Just a little seed sown into the ground. Sow into the flesh. Too tired, not going to get up. I'm going to call in, let them know I'm going to be a little late. And eventually, if left unrepented and continuing to sow those things, what happens is we begin to miss more time. 
we begin to not show up at all. And eventually it grows, and what Proverbs teaches us is the same principle. You sow those seeds of laziness, they will eventually reap a harvest of destruction, or in this case, poverty. It's hard to get paid for work that you don't do. And so we we live in a world that sort of uses this principle all the time, and we're okay to use it ourselves in different contexts, like Sometimes I say it like this, is what you put into it, you're going to get out of it. We, we all would agree with that, right? Like if you want to be really good at something and all you do is pray about it and th- maybe think about it, but never actually practice it or do it, how good do you think you're going to be at it? In your mind, probably really, really good, but in reality, not much at all. So this is divine law. What you sow, you will reap. And if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. If you sow seeds of lust into your mind and into your heart, it will reap destruction if you're married in your marriage. If you sow seeds of lust into your dating relationship, it it might not show up right away, but eventually it shows up and, and it reaps destruction. There's just consequences for those things brings along with it a lot of baggage that needs to be dealt with and worked through. Destroys a lot of relationships. If you sow seeds of pride, this too will eventually grow. It grows and it also destroys relationships. If you sow seeds of discontent, a little grumbling here and a little grumbling there and and you're okay with it, and it's allowed to remain, eventually what that looks like is a life of discontent. A life where where you find it very difficult to be grateful for anything. Instead of being grateful for all that God has given to us, instead we look out and all we see is all the bad things happening around us. We grumble and complain. And it destroys relationships. Because it makes you miserable and it makes everybody around you miserable. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. You see, God will not be mocked. There's a warning here. Do not play around with sin. Don't think that it's okay to just to continue to drop those seeds here and drop them there as if there, there's, there's going to be no consequences for those things, as if they don't really affect anything at all because eventually those seeds grow and they bear Some type of fruit. And when we sow to the flesh, it doesn't bear good fruit. So we can't think that we can play around with sin. It doesn't produce anything good for us. Now, that's sort of the warning side of it, but there's some encouraging things as well that we see. There's some good news for us. Because in verse 8, Paul tells us that the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Again, if you, if you want an apple tree, you need to sow an apple seed. And in the same way, if you want eternal life, if you desire eternal life, Paul says, sow to the Spirit. See, that, that's the effect of somebody who's been justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, is that God pours out His Spirit upon us. Paul's already taught us that earlier in this letter. 
And then because the Spirit's been poured out upon us, he tells us to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so he's sort of closing up that conversation by saying, if this is you, if you are a believer, if you've been justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, so to the Spirit, not to the flesh. Because when you sow to the Spirit, you have this hope. This hope of not a bad harvest, but a harvest of eternal life. Tim Keller again writes the following. He says, so how can we become, or how can we be someone who sows to please the Spirit? By obeying God out of grateful joy that comes from knowing our status as children of God. When we do that, the idols which control our lives are disempowered and we are free to live for God. So sowing to the Spirit is joyful obedience to God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what sowing to the Spirit is. It's joyful obedience to God through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting that Jesus has saved us through his death on the cross for our sins and that he has freed us from the power of sin, as well as empowering us with his Holy Spirit to live out the lives that he has called us to live. And so we can sow to the Spirit because of the grace of God at work in us and the Spirit of God that dwells in us that has empowered us to then sow to the Spirit or to obey God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so it really is this simple principle. Husbands, if you want a good marriage, what Paul would say, I think, is so to the Spirit. What do you mean by that, Paul? Well, Paul would say, love your wife as Christ has loved the church. And not just once. That's not just one seed you sow on the day when you say, I do, and I'm going to love you forever and ever, and you make all those, those wonderful commitments and vows to one another. It, it's something, Paul would say, is you sow that seed every day. And it's probably going to look different every day. It might look like doing the dishes. It might look like taking her on a date. It might look like doing the budget. It might look like a million different things, whatever your life looks like in regards to your relationship with your wife. The principle behind it is sowing to the Spirit is loving your wife as Christ has loved the church. It's sacrificial. It's death to self. Wives, if you want a good and fruitful marriage, then you must sow seeds of respect and honor and submission to your husband day by day. It's not just a promise that you make on that wedding day. It's something you promise to do every day. It's God's design for us as husbands and wives to live out each day. And we sow to the Spirit when we die to ourselves and we live in the good of those roles that God has called us to. Kids, if you want to live a good and happy life, then sow to the Spirit. What what do you mean? What is sowing to the Spirit? I I don't understand. Well, Well, it's simple. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? What is it? 
It's right. Thank you, kids. Appreciate that. It's right. And so, like, you get up and you just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to sow to the Spirit. I'm going to trust you today. What should I do? And the Lord's going to say, obey your parents. And you're not going to want to do it. I promise you, you're going to wake up one day and you're just, you're just not going to want to do it. And it's probably going to happen throughout the day. And you're going to be given an opportunity. Do I sow to the flesh or do I sow to the spirit? And what I'm going to tell you, God's word says, sow to the spirit. When you don't want to and you want to sow to the flesh, just remember, that will reap a harvest of destruction. And you might not see it today but it will show up later on in your life. Sow to the Spirit, because that will reap a harvest of eternal life. If you want to be trusted by others, sowing to the Spirit looks like telling the truth, being open, being honest. If you want to know God and be led by God, then sowing to the Spirit looks like drawing near to God. Through faith in Jesus Christ, it looks like a consistent pursuit of drawing near to God, living in communion with God through a life in His Word. And praying to Him and having a relationship with Him. They're just seeds being sown. I wrestle with this too sometimes. I've wrestled with this throughout my, my Christian life of just thinking through life in God's Word obedient to God, drawing near to him through his word. And I've wrestled with, okay, what's this doing? Because a lot of times what ends up happening is I can read through this thing, comb through this thing. I'm waiting to hear God's voice. And a lot of times nothing. And you know how I reconcile that in my head? With Galatians 6. I'm just sowing a seed. And I'm trusting that that seed will bear fruit. If not today in my quiet time or my devotion, but, but Lord willing, I believe it's going to pop up somewhere. And I believe it pops up today. I believe there are things that I have read, and I trust this is true of your life, that I've read and I've studied and I've prayed about 18 years ago that are now showing up in my 18-year-old's life that were dialoguing about that's kind of how a harvest works you, you plant something and you wait for the lord to cause it to grow see god will not be mocked whatever we sow we will reap i think god would say sow to the spirit sow to the spirit this leads us to our second point when we grow tired we must not give up, but instead continue to trust in Jesus and continue to sow seeds to the Spirit. In a simple way, I could just say, like, don't, don't quit. That's probably the better way to say it. Don't, don't quit. Paul writes the following, verse 9, he says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What I recommend here is, this is for every mom and dad, take a note card out, write this verse and put it on your mirror. And then put it in your car. And then commit it to memorization. And then I would not just recommend to every mom and dad, I'm going to recommend this to every person that's here this morning. Because the reality is, we will want to quit. We will. 
We are limited. We will be tested. We will find ourselves being distracted. We will find ourselves being overwhelmed. Having to have the same conversation with the same person again. Over and over and over and over again. Gets exhausting. And so when we think about this call to not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's a call not to give up. It's a call to trust the Lord. That we will continue to drop these seeds, these spirit seeds, into whatever God has called us to, believing that God will cause those things to grow when He desires for those things to grow. That that we can't just say, hey, I'm going to drop this prayer for salvation for my kid today and that's going to bear fruit tomorrow therefore I don't have to do any work after that that's kind of what's behind the impatience sometimes in my heart that's why I would want to grow weary at times is I'm just tired of doing the work I too would like to go on trips with my friend and not have to tend the field if you know what I mean I too would like to just be able to say one prayer or to offer one piece of counsel to somebody and for them to say thank you so much and have their lives automatically transformed and never have to deal with another issue in my life. Raise your hand if you'd like that life. You're never going to get it this side of heaven. It's just not going to happen. We live in a world that is fallen. Sin still remains. We still have sin in our own lives, and it remains, and we will be tempted to not want to continue doing the good that God has called us to, and we will be tempted to grow weary. And so what I would say is, don't quit. Because Paul would tell us, and God would tell us, is that there is a harvest that is coming in due season. God determines when that harvest takes place. We don't determine it because we're not God. And let's thank God for that. Because he's at work in all things. He knows all things. He knows what's best for us. He is all wise. And he has the perfect plan for our lives to get us to the place that he wants us to be. And he'll use any means possible for our good. Even things that you think are really, really hard and you might even hate them. But we have a good and gracious God that's at work in them. And so as we wait, we wait with faith, trusting that in due season, we will reap a harvest. The harvest that God desires for us. See, fruitfulness requires patience and perseverance. So church, I'd say this. Trust in the Lord. Do not give up. Do not grow weary in doing good. Trust that there is a harvest coming. In due season, the Lord will bring this harvest. And this leads us to our third and final point. As the Lord gives us opportunities... Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the church. Again, let me remind you, this is what living in the good of the gospel looks like. It looks like we continue to sow to the Spirit. And he's closing out this letter 
And he's calling for us to do these. He says, so then, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Living in the good of the gospel looks like us seeking to do good to everyone around us, especially our brothers and sisters in the faith. That means we're, we're looking out at the world around us and we're seeking to care for the people God has placed around us, seeking to do them good and not harm. Seeking to meet needs that they might have with the hope of blessing them. See, this, is, this, is a, this is a gospel issue for us. And what I mean by that is, is we had a huge need, didn't we? Phil, Phil was talking about this when we were taking communion. We, we have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us were enemies of God. We were in need of being saved. And God was good and gracious to us. And he sent his son Jesus into this world to live a perfect life in our place so that he would be our substitute and die on a cross to exhaust the wrath of God so that we would be forgiven and given eternal life. God did that for us. He saved us. Taking care of our greatest needs. He did good to us. Are you happy He did this for you? Does this make you excited? Does this fill your heart with a passion to, to pick up a cross and follow Jesus, to, to sing and to worship Him? I'd also say picking up a cross and following Jesus in this verse looks like doing good to those around us. I want us to pick up a cross. I want us to follow Jesus. And, and what it looks like Paul is saying in verse 10 is, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So as we have opportunity, there's a little clause there. It kind of sets a little boundary lines for us. We can't meet every need. But I think what he's saying there is we should be meeting some. We should be caring for some people. God has blessed us with so much. It's not just for us to enjoy all to ourselves. He's, he's blessed us with it so that we might care for the world around us. And not just the world around us. I love what he says here especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so in a way he's saying, okay, have eyes for the world, but may your eyes see those who are here first. May you have eyes to see your brothers and sisters that you sit next to week in and week out and you attend community group with every other week and you call and you pray for, have eyes for them, especially them. So that when you see them in need or you see them needing care, that as you have opportunity, you seek to do good to everyone. I love this. I love this because I love whenever God shares little snippets like that about the way in which we're called to live life together. Because it reminds me, and I'm hoping it reminds us, that, that we're, we're more than just friends. We're more than just seeing each other on Sunday morning. We are a community of believers, members of the body of Christ, and we care for one another. 
Living a spirit-filled life looks like we are generous towards one another. We have one another's backs. When somebody falls, we're there to pick them up. We're there to spur them on. When somebody grows weary, we're there to remind them to not grow weary. But in due season, there's a harvest coming. So we get to live life together. And so church, in closing, let me just remind you and encourage you with these words. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would pour out your Spirit upon us. Lord, because we need you. Lord, we need you to enliven our hearts, to help us repent of sin where we've been sowing to the flesh and to enable us to passionately sow to the Spirit, to encourage and build one another up, that we might trust you for a wonderful, fruitful harvest, for the eternal life that you have for us through faith in Christ. And Lord, I pray for those who might be growing weary, Lord, that you would encourage them to not quit, to not give up, but to continue to trust you and to do good to those around you, Lord, to the moms and dads who are parenting, to the kids who are seeking to deal with their mom and dad, Lord, and I pray that this would be fruitful relationships, that each one, Lord, would seek to outdo one another in showing honor. That they would trust you to sow those seeds. Lord, I ask that you would bless husbands and wives and relationships in this church. Lord, that we would sow to the Spirit with these relationships. And that you would surprise and delight us with your grace and your mercy. And as we leave here, Lord, would you pour out your Spirit upon us? Would you fill us to be your people? To honor and to glorify you with all that we are and all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. May the Lord bless you. May he pour out his spirit upon you. Have a great day.